Sentire Media Thank you so much for downloading our podcast from Italy. My name is Jason. I'm joined by my wife, Ashley. It is the 6th of March, a blustery Sunday. And uh, this inconsistent podcast, um, we're screwing up and might make this actually consistent. Two weeks back to back, folks. Hold on to your hats. Um, we are a little, to be quite honest, we're a little bit bored about talking about what's going on in our lives and around our neck of the woods, so we're going to expand a little bit today. This week we're going to share with you some stories of Puglia, a very little known region here in Italy that needs a whole lot of love, so we're excited to share with you this very special podcast. Enjoy! All right, we have a very special podcast today. We are excited to introduce to all of our listeners and fans, Stephen and Paul from Villa Capelli in Puglia. They have a lovely podcast called Living Villa Capelli, and they are expats in Italy that have a very similar story to Jason and I of moving from New York City and the hustle bustle of the um, full-on city living to full-on country, rural, the complete opposite. We come um, from La Marque, which is very little covered in guidebooks, and Puglia is considered the Wild West. So we are excited to share with you a bit about Puglia, a bit about Stephen and Paul, and share with you about Villa Capelli. Welcome, Stephen and Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) How's the weather down there today? Today was okay. Today was mixed. It was yeah. cool in the morning, and then the sun popped out in the afternoon. But we've had a very mild winter down here. We it's have like to. no winter, basically. Yeah. Well, you guys yeah. never really have a real winter, but we, we see that's no. that's the dichotomy. We had snow showers today, so five hours and the six hours in the car oh. makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. That's huge. Is it, uh, no, I don't think we're that far apart. Uh, about that, yeah. Oh. oh. So away from really? the tourists, oh. and you guys are sharing a slice of authentic Italy. Let's talk first. Puglia, our second favorite uh, re- – well, we're, we live in Lamarque, so we have to be homers, and that has to be our, our favorite place in Italy. But Puglia, the sec- our second – awesome. I love Puglia. For people who aren't really uh, – don't really know where that is, in, in two minutes describe Puglia and, and where, where it is and how you get there. Okay. Stephen? Yeah, go. Okay. Uh, Puglia is the uh, southeast corner of Italy. Uh, the easiest way to think about it is the heel of the boot. If Italy's the boot, we're in the heel. It's also one of the largest regions in Italy. Uh, it stretches for, uh, I don't know, how many hundreds of kilometers. Uh, and it's uh, bordered by two seas, the Aegean, not the Aegean, the Adriatic. I'm not in Greece. Uh, the Adriatic and the Ionian. Yes, and to get here, you would fly mostly into Bari, which is the capital city, which is about 20 minutes from Villa Capelli. Right. Oh, that's excellent. And just, for, um, yeah. just for people to understand, if you were to jump in a car from Rome, how long would it take from Fiumicino to your house, more or less? Okay. If you drive like I do, it would be about three and a half hours. Okay. Uh, normal humans would be four and a half. So yeah. that, that's us. I mean, we're four, four hours door-to-door from our house. to. So it's the exact, almost the exact same time, yeah. but just due south. Southwest. Exactly, exactly. Right. This is, yeah, yeah, because uh, you, 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 you drive down towards Naples. Then you take a left, basically going east, towards Benevento. 
and then down to Bari. And and it, it's it's absolutely the, one of the most gorgeous places in all of Italy. Out of you know being um, foreigners and coming here, how did you? How, I, we get this stupid question all the time, so I'm going to have to do it to you. How'd you choose Puglia? I know the answer to that. Okay, hit it. Your family history, right, Paul? That's right. My uh, my mother's side of the family are all from Puglia, uh, going back at least 400 years. Uh, and in uh, 2001. My cousin from this town, who also happens to be the sister of the former governor of Puglia, Nikki Vendela, who is a big uh, uh, controversy right now in Italy about my cousin Nikki. Uh, but she called me on 9 uh, 11 from, from our town here. I was in Manhattan. She wanted to make sure that I was okay after the Twin Tower attacks. And uh, so th- that year I brought my kids down here for the first time to see where their uh, grandmother came from, we found this house, and fell in love with it. And how many years from when you um, – we'll get into the construction because we've got a lot of questions about that as well. But from seeing the property, um, how long did it take to move down there? Uh, let's see. I uh, bought the property in 2003. Um, you know, actually signed the papers in 2003. And, uh, so like 10 years, basically. Now I have to, yeah, 10 years before I have to go back for a second because this is part of why, uh, I feel kindred spirits with you guys is, uh, the New York connection and listening to some of your podcasts and that idea of going, you know, also for us, we were in New York, um, during September 11th and everything. And I think in a weird way in the back of our head, not that that was a decision. We came to Italy on our honeymoon and fell in love and the quality of life and thought, what are we doing living in this crazy city? But I think after you live through something that intense in such a small place, you're lo- I, th- I think you really are. You, you, some half of the people kind of think, what am I doing in my life? I want to enjoy it. I want to live life to the fullest. And as sad as it is to take something so extreme or something so uh, tragic – but that it can yeah. bring such life in a way and um, make, you, make you, you know, take another look at your priorities, maybe. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, plus, I loved most of everything that w- when you guys were talking on your podcast of people asking you about what do you miss about New York? And of course, we get that all the time, too. What do you miss about America or don't you miss New York? That your answer was exactly the same as ours. Tooth and, and the same way <laughs> you guys food. answered. Yes. And bagels. That was I love it. <laughs> and then how Stephen was so much like me of, you know, Paul sticks to the Chinese food and bagels. That's good to go. And that's Jason's answer straight across the board. And but then. <laughs> or um steven that's your part i'm sorry that's um paul's answer but steven that you were so funny and that it sent you on a tangent of all the other ethnic foods that you missed and that's exactly me then oh. you go well what about sushi what about <laughs> thai food and- well, uh, well 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 you know uh one of the things that we find kind of funny is when guests come to stay here a lot of them, uh, you know, a lot of times people don't think before they speak, right? So uh, they come here and, you know, they'll stay for a week. Some people stay for two weeks. And, so, and they're asking, like, 
is there any Mexican food around? Exactly. Or is there any like Indian food? It's like it's like you're in Italy. It's Italian food. That's it. That's all we have. But, but, but you think the Italians would want something else too? That's what I. I mean, I guess they just no. The Italians no, think that their food is the best in the world. No. Period. You get much pizza and pasta. Can you eat every day? Every day. Uh, we have a uh, one kebab place about twenty minutes away, and that's about as ethnic as you're going to get around here for us. I'm sure it's pretty similar for you guys. Oh yeah, I mean, there's we we heard that there's a good Chinese restaurant in Mulfetta, not far from us, and there are a couple of sushi places in in Bari. But you know, all the Chinese, of course, say, "Oh, I would never eat there." You know, Chinese food and Chinese restaurants—they're all dirty. Everything's dirty. Everything's it's so dirty. true. Well, we, yeah, we 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 um, have resulted uh, resulted have started um, going to the grocery store to, in the ethnic section and just trying to find as much. Mexican flavors we can find, as much soy sauce as we can find, so, right. and we'll make our own sushi, basically. Luckily, we have really, really great uh, seafood here. So Yeah, nice and fresh. Yeah. That is... Oh, the, 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 the other thing that I miss, I don't know about you guys, about New York City, I just realized, I was just in Miami a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I went to Starbucks. I do not miss Starbucks. It, it, but uh, well, That's so well, funny that you well, mentioned that, miss, that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, well, it's just been in the news all week about how they're opening this, yes. the one stupid Starbucks in Milan, and everyone's up in arms, okay. but it's, yeah. But, but, but you know, you know the, the, the weird thing about that was that I thought they always had one in Milan. I'm, I'm not sure. Why did I think that? I, I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's weird. I, I thought they always had one. I would, ima- I would have well, thought that they did, too, but I don't know why everyone's up in arms. It's one Starbucks in a, in, you know, amongst 100,000 bars that... You know, you can walk into any bar exactly. in Italy and get a cafe for under, you know, a euro or under, and it's great. Did, did, did you did you guys ever see uh, the movie Focaccia Blues? No, we'll have to write that down. Yeah, write it down. Focaccia, Focaccia Blues. Uh, and my cousin Nikki, again, the governor, is, is also in it. But it's a it's a true story about a McDonald's that opened up in a city not far from us called Altamura which is famous for their bread. I mean, they ship their bread directly to New York City every day. Uh, it's a DOP bread. But uh, they opened up a, a McDonald's there, and uh, people would would not eat there. They would go next door to the focaccia place, you know, the pizza place, pick up slices of focaccia or pizza. Then they would go into the McDonald's and sit there because they had a TV. <laughs> so within two months, so within two months, the, within two months, the McDonald's closed. That's kind of what I'm thinking about the Starbucks too. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, people yeah, need I, to just chill out. It's the the market will take care of itself. Well, here's a question for exactly. you yeah, about the, uh-huh. the dichotomy of the two living in the two places um, and kind of the comparison of the two, not just food, but something that I imagine you guys have had a. Who I would assume even more difficult than us is um, sourcing things and ordering things. Like in New York, anything can be delivered at any time of night. You can order any food, any time right. of day, no matter what you want. Something will show up at your doorstep. But here, Jason, running a, running a bi- and running a business is even more difficult yeah, yeah. doing that. It's, and, it, you know, Jason would always joke that we're at a geographical odyssey two weeks from everything. And I just imagine you guys could be three weeks from everything. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, if not three months. Uh, f- yeah. First of all, I want to finish my Starbucks. My Starbucks oh, yeah, story was like, the other thing I miss is the have no sorry is having the New York Times in my hand. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
We just were out traveling and Jason had a New York Times at breakfast and was like, oh my God, the simple luxury of having coffee exactly. and a paper in English. Exactly. It's been a long time. So, so, so well, one of the things about Italy is, uh, I don't know about where you guys are, but where we are, uh, one of the things you can't find at night here is prostitutes on the street. Oh, we can find that here, uh, just the on road, the road to Arezzo. We call it Hooker Highway, <laughs> and you can tell. Yeah, but, by- but, but 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 aren't they aren't they there just during the day? Oh, actually, you're, I you're think yeah, right. I think you're right. And the weirdest part is, it's in the, like I remember driving recently down there at 10 a.m. and they were out, and it was like, oh my god. Yes. <laughs> because because they they only work during the day for a very specific reason. Um, the men at night have to be home with their wives and families. Oh so, so during the day, yeah, oh. during the day on their way to work or, you know, some of the farmers, uh, lunchtime, they all go and do the quick, you know, uh, humpty hump. That oh is God. hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there are no hookers at night in Italy. So any tourists are coming, no hookers at night. So that's what we, so that to answer the question, that's what we can't find here, hookers yeah, at night. Exactly. <laughs> really, that's your answer. <laughs> so let's let's start talking about your beautiful property because this place is absolutely incredible. And if you go if you go to your website to your website villacapelli.com and you have a bunch of before and after pictures, it's absolutely I mean you can see the bones to it, but man, what a transformation. Now, I'm all with you dropping everything, moving down to Italy, leaving America behind, but what I can't wrap my head around I, are you guys misogynist? Do you enjoy the pain and the gray hair? Because restoring a place... I'm sorry, masochist, misogynist, Jesus. Yes. Um, and yes, we're gay, so we don't like women. <laughs> but restoring a property of that size and magnitude in Puglia being... I mean, you, you have family, so obviously you have that, uh, your, that, that advantage. But oh my God, talk about that for a minute. And the, the, um, that, the work that had to be done and the relationships you had to build and just a project of that magnitude because it's absolute complimenting. It's absolutely incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Stephen, you want me to talk about a little bit about yeah, that? Go ahead. Um, well, uh, f- first of all, it's been, you know, now it's uh, what, 13 years that we've been, been working on this house. It's, uh, it's roughly 2000 square meters of house. So I don't that, know is that, huge. that is That is huge. It's incredibly huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you know, when we first saw it, it quite honestly, it, it was it was just as beautiful as a. Uh, uh, the phone's ringing. Unfortunately, the worst time. Yep. All right, life is happening as we're doing a podcast, but we're back. Go okay. So we were talking about the the house. Right, uh, the house is about two thousand square meters, which is which is pretty big. But you know, we fell in love with it actually as a ruin because even as a ruin, if you go on the website, look at the pictures, even as a ruin, it was pretty spectacular. It looks very Roman. Um, but you know, getting the work done wasn't easy. You know, we went through a construction company. Uh, the first one, uh, lasted about a year and a half, two years. Uh, I fired the architect after a year because even the Italians here, especially down South, uh, they, they sort of had this, um, uh, funny thing going on in their heads about, uh, not seeming poor. So a lot of them grew up in homes that are all stone and, you know, without plaster and without paint. So to them, that's a sign of poverty. So uh, the architect wanted to plaster over all the stone walls that we had. So I fired him in about the, in about three seconds. That's so um, interesting. I said, 
Yeah, because I, you know, uh, and and you know, we deal mostly with foreigners here at the villa, not many Italians. Um, Thank goodness. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, you know, and some of the Italians will come here and say, "Oh, it's all so old." It's like, well, hello. That's the charm. <laughs> That's exactly what you want it exactly. to be. Exactly, it's the point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and and when I fired the architect, I told him, you know, you want to plaster all the walls. Look, if I wanted to buy, if I wanted a new house, I would buy a new house. I want this house to look old. Yeah. You know, yeah. To look ancient. And, and I will. And I will say the construction. I have selectively forgotten a lot of this because it was crazy and it is a ton of stress, a ton of time, a ton of money. It's, it's the end of result is amazing, but, but in the process, uh, I don't know if I'd recommend doing it to anybody else. <laughs> well, especially not, a, not on this scale. Exactly. It's, it it is scale. crazy. And, and it, actually it's funny. Somebody on Facebook just messaged me that she's looking to move to Puglia with her husband and they're saying, they, and actually one of the, um, filters of looking for a house is ruins. So you can look for a ruined house. And, then, yeah. you know, and the real estate agent is pushing them towards that. And I said, look, obviously you're going to buy a house for no money that way, which is we, we bought the villa for little to no money. But you're going to put a ton and ton of money and time into it. Yeah, depending on, again, depending so, on, on, on how big it is. But, but you know, the, the, the way we did it over the past 13 years is uh, – you, know, you you do one piece at a time. Yeah. You know, you know, we did the first room so that we could at least sleep in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was the it was the garden room, and uh, we had no bathroom. No bathroom. We would go in the garden and take a pee. And Stephen got scared one night because he heard snoring. He didn't realize that uh, on the walls, you know, the the villa is surrounded by fifteen foot walls, were all these owls. Like snoring. Oh. <laughs> I, it's, it's not, I thought it was a, a wolf that was going to come. Bite my winker off. <laughs> Wait, Stephen, we're so similar. When we first moved out here, we would be scared because Jason was crazy with the heat and going, turning off the hot water heater and all of these things at night and outside. And and I thought, oh my god, this is how a scary when every um, like slasher movie starts this way with um, <laughs> stupid kids who shouldn't be out in the wilderness or out in the countryside are, and they get killed. And, J- and then we realized, I think we said it to someone, they said, no person's coming out here. It's going to be the animals. And I, then I was like, oh no. And we start making these crazy noises. <laughs> Cuckoo, coochoo And these weird wait, wait, things. Wait. <laughs> Which is also why we, we invited one of our best friends from Manhattan. He's, uh, he's African-American. We invited him out here because if it is a horror movie, they're always the first ones to get killed. Oh, my killed. God. You're hysterical. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and don't forget the slutty and, and, chick. And, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need a slutty girl. She always goes first, too. But, 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 but you know, uh, funny, funny enough, this, uh, this African-American friend of ours, Clark, Clark Beasley, if you're listening, um, he is an actor. And his first movie that he appeared in was a slasher horror film. And guess what? Within five minutes, he was dead. <laughs> Typecast. That's hysterical. <laughs> so, so when was it? So it took 13 years to complete. When was the first guests? Uh, the first guests were about probably seven years ago. Uh, yeah. w- when did we go to Antarctica? Uh, no, 2005, we went to Antarctica. So 2005. So, yeah, so the first guests were probably eight or nine years ago. Uh, people that we met on a we – went, we, went, we took a cruise to uh, – not a cruise, an expedition to Antarctica. And we met some people there, uh, and they were the first group. Uh, uh, what were they? Our southern – Our southern magnolia belt. Uh, yes, uh, southern bitches. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> all these uh, older women. One of them was 75 at the time. She was still an airplane pilot. And they came here in the fall 
um, to pick olives. Yeah. We didn't even have doors on their rooms. We had curtains. <laughs> It's that is great. So from from ruins to having no doors and curtains to finishing the wing, the new wing of the house. Uh, talk talk about the the last piece of the puzzle that you guys have just finished. Well, uh, the last piece of the puzzle. We were actually fortunate because and 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 this is something to keep in mind for anyone who's thinking of uh, doing anything like this, um, especially down here in Puglia. I don't know what it's like up in uh, Le Marche at this point, but um, there is still a lot of uh, government financing, enough financing, actually grants mm-hmm. that they give you uh, to, to rebuild you know, old homes and to, uh, if you're going to do it as any kind of a tourist kind of thing. You know, uh, so to help stimulate the economy, the European Union and the region uh, gives you money to help you rebuild. So we got a uh, grant that we don't have to pay back for 50% of what we'd spent to rebuild uh, the last section of the house. That's got to help. Yeah, I would imagine. And what section? Talk about the, the last section that you guys just did. So, uh, so, so uh, the, the last section were, was uh, really the farm, the real farm part of the house, uh, not the living quarters. Uh, it was a huge barn with the ceiling has got to be, what, 18, 20 feet tall. Oh, yeah. Uh, arched uh, with these sort of Roman uh, terracotta uh, cylinders that hold up the ceiling. Uh, and that was the barn where the animals came in. And then there were three other areas that were all large, all solid stone. Um, the three other areas didn't have a roof, so we had to build a roof on it. Unfortunately, the um, the building code now down here says that you have to do a seismic test. Yeah. Uh, and of course, and then with that seismic test, we had to put in these horrible uh, concrete um, columns all around it. Uh, so you know that that was kind of a messy. And thing. meanwhile, those walls that stood for over two thousand uh, years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, they <laughs> the bureaucracy of Italy. <laughs> yeah. So so we uh, so, so now the new area is basically a uh, like a function area for weddings and uh, parties and stuff. So we have a, a beautiful huge reception area where you first come in off the Appian Way. We are on the Appian Way, by the way. Uh, and uh, then there's a beautiful bar, like a real American style bar, where any American would feel at home. A huge uh, commercial kitchen. Uh, an enormous dining hall that can seat over 100 people and a new outdoor stone terrace under the olive trees. And, and um, if, you're, if you're at your computer right now listening, go to the website, Villa Capelli, V-I-L-L-A-C-A-P-P-E-L-L-I, and check out these pictures. The, the, the space looks absolutely incredible. I love the drone shot from above because it gives you such a sense of... Oh, how vast and that it is a compound is what I keep saying. Holy shit. This place is huge from yes. And from your gardens and your pool. I love where you decided to put the pool. I don't know if that was um, out of function, out of design, but it, I love that positioning. And I just thought that looked so cool. And, and plus your own very sweet, looks like your own little Orto. I love that. Um, it really looks yeah, sure. like you're taking a step back a hundred years into staying at what this villa was and how people lived like this. I think it, um, 
I think you guys have done so. I, I want to come visit. I can't wait. <laughs> and to well, have you, a wedding. You better come visit. Yeah, I, know. I know. Yeah. And well, well, you know, you know, part of the rationale and the motivation behind the way it looks is that we really did try to make it seem like we hadn't really touched it. And, uh, you know, if you're looking to do any kind of a tourism kind of uh, business in Italy, I think it's important to, one, understand uh, the clients that you're going after. So if we're going after clients from outside of Italy, uh, especially Americans and Canadians and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Brits, but, you know, Brits not as much uh, because of, uh, based on what I'm going to say, is that, uh, you know, I think they want to come and stay in a place that looks looks and feels like what you have in your mind about what Italy should be. You're painting the so, scene you know, it's, exactly. It's older first. Exactly. You know, uh, the, the romance. Yeah, mm-hmm. the romance of it. it it's it, it's it's really you know you, you, you want you want to deliver people's fantasy of you know old rustic Italy. Exactly. You're giving yeah. them what and they want. Say, Exactly. exactly. And, yeah. Paul, and I will say Paul had the total vision of all this. I mean, he, I just let him go. I'm just here support in the background. <laughs> and, he, and like you said, the position of the pool, like he did a wonderful job. That's right off of the kitchen, which is right next to the loggia area, which most people. So basically you have your meals right there on the outside, right next to the pool and the kitchen's right there. And I mean, it's just it, it creates this wonderful family environment, which is what most of the groups we have are big families or groups of friends. And that's what's nice about the villa is that all these people can stay together. It's not like a hotel where you're in a room and you all come down to a restaurant or but, wherever but, you are. But, but, it's but like it, you're all together. And it's but, like, but it is like a private hotel. Exactly. It's, it's like you're renting exactly. out a hotel <clears throat> yeah. mm-hmm. all, yeah. you know, for, you, for you and your friends. But, but you, you know, you know the, the funny thing about uh, the placement of the pool is that uh, just to give you a, it sort of goes into the history of the place. The, the garden is a monastic garden. But before that... Uh, it's really what they call an ortos closus, uh, a closed garden. So the the layout of the garden comes from uh, North Africa. Uh, the Crusaders, when they went to North Africa during the Crusades, they brought back this these gardens that they found in North Africa. The uh, Arabic word for garden is the same as paradise. So. Uh, so it's a closed-in garden that would have cypress trees. You know, most people think cypress trees are Italian, like Lombardy, cypress, and that kind of stuff. They're not really. They're North African. So they would have cypress trees, fragrant flowers, especially roses, medicinal herbs, and water running through them. So that's how the, the, the garden was originally laid out. Then they put in a cloister, which is the cross that you see in the middle of the garden, because at one point this was a monastery. And... Uh, and then the garden itself was broken up into eight sections. And it's believed that it was broken up into eight sections because eight is the magic number for the Knights Templar, you know, the, the sign of infinity. So uh-huh. what we did was we just took one, one, one of those uh, eight sections, the, the eighth section that was closest to the house and closest to the kitchen and, and plopped the pool in there. Yeah, the Knights, the Knights Templar is actually a big part of Puglia. Um, yes. There's the, the Castle del Monte, which is about 20 minutes from the villa, has a rich history with the uh, Knights Templar, and we actually found the Knights Templar cross that Paul put above <clears throat> the uh, garden room, which we were when we were reconstructing it. So it's it's cool history here. I mean, we have a tons of invaders in Puglia. Mm. The that, dialect here is 
is is partly Catalan, is partly Arabic. Arabic. It's all this weird mix of history. It's it's interesting. And it's 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 interesting that you guys say that because um I think not our not our guests or the people that that would uh, listen to the podcast, but a lot of people think everything's Tuscany, and if it's not Tuscany, well, what, right. what is there to do? And Puglia is so rich in history and things to do. So, for instance, if coming down to your place for a week or ten days. You know, you got the sea seven kilometers away. You've got the you've got all these wine tastings and olive oil. What else, What is there to do once you get off the once you get off the the compound around you guys? There's there's so many amazing things. Like I said, Castle de Monte, which is an actual World Heritage site, and it's actually on the back of the Euro Penny. We're built in the 1200s by Frederick II, Holy Roman Emperor of Swabia. Yes, and 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 um, and there's a lot of the coastal towns. Uh, there's Trani, which is amazing. Um, what's the other ones? Uh, Polignano Mare. Mare, which is in basically every beautiful picture you see of if you Google Puglia. Right, it, that, that, that's one of the first things that comes up. It's a beautiful, beautiful town that juts out kind of into the water. It just and it has um, one of the most famous restaurants. It's listed as a restaurant with like uh, it, it's it's uh, one of the. 14 restaurants in the world with the best view. Yeah. Wait, is this the one that's so like in the oh. cave, like in the grotto where you like, exactly. oh my God, I've yes. seen yes. it yes. everywhere. Yes. I see it on travel and leisure. It's on my bucket list yes. kind of thing. It's I've every- Pinterested it. <laughs> it's like, it must go there. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually really beautiful. People, it's beautiful and, and yeah. the food is good. People, you know, People knock complain on about because... the food, like blah, 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 blah. Like we come from New York. Trust me, the food is reasonable for what you're getting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like... Because, because as you guys know, like, you know, when you got to dinner, I, I, I assume in, in Le Marque is the same thing. I mean, you know, 35 euro is like, you know, reaching the limit of what you pay for dinner. <laughs> yes, here, you know? we were just talking about that. Friends right? moved to Bordeaux and they were like, we went to the fanciest place in town and took five people. And they've lived in New York, Paris, and Zurich. And they were like, and the total, it was yeah. only 30 bucks a person. And we said, welcome to La Marque. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you have to exactly. try to it's spend more. So, 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 so here's, here's, here's one of the most, you know, uh, one of the 14 restaurants in the entire world that has one of the best views in the entire world. And you go there, it's a World Heritage Site. It's absolutely nothing short of stunning. The food is really, really great. It's all seafood, of course. And, uh, you know, the, the tasting menu is 95 euro a person. And so the people here are, like, freaking out. It's like, oh, my God, 95 euro a person. Like, for us, it's like that's the bar bill. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it can be. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the food of your area a little bit more as well, um, especially with all of the invaders and the history you guys have had. Um, in our area, in the market, we're so central Italy that we've got the influence more from Emilia-Romagna, some of Tuscany and Abruzzo, Umbria. I imagine you guys I, I have more spice to it. Um, what are some of your favorite or kind of unique traditional dishes of your area? Well, uh, the, the funny thing about spice is, right, that, uh, you know, we love spicy, right? We're, we're actually making now a lot of hot sauces and stuff that we're selling online. Uh, the furthest, well, no, I shouldn't say the further south, because if you go to Calabria, Calabria, like, you know, they're known for the crazy hot peppers, right? Mm-hmm. But on, the, on this side, on this side, they're not that crazy about hot spices. It's really weird. Or any spices. It's, it's basically garlic, olive oil. Yeah, whenever we we give we give you know anyone asks for a recipe, we always say, well, you start out with the usual suspects, right? Olive oil, garlic, 
onions and sage, for instance, yeah? yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, rosemary was never used around here until maybe 50 years ago. It was always called the cemetery plant. It was called the cemetery plant. It would only grow in, they were planted only in cemeteries. I guess they thought it would keep the smell of rotting flesh out of the air. Mm, but, but basically, this cuisine is not, yeah, yeah. exactly. This cuisine is known as the cuisine of the poor. Mm-hmm. You, you can say it again, Paul, what's the name? Yeah, cucina um, povera. So basically, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Paul's always wanted to do a, basically, we might do this one day, a cookbook basically on how to eat free, which is... How to make free gourmet <laughs> dishes. Basically, because here it's all about, he just, he literally just the last two days has been, has been picking wild asparagus oh, around God. the so it's all this this asparagus we made. Um, he made a frittata with it, and we're going to make a risotto hopefully tomorrow or the next day with yes, it. Yes, with the wild, the um, wild asparagus. And then but, it's but, but, these weeds. It's it's like um, legumes. It's very it's yeah, very it, affordable. It's, it's, uh, it's more about it's more the, the the cuisine here is more about vegetables, sometimes fish, but you know now fish has become more expensive than meat. Exactly. They love eating meat, but meat here traditionally is only on Thursdays and Sundays. If you don't have meat on Thursdays and Sundays, people think that you're too poor. So, you know, even if you can't afford it, you buy meat for those two days. But the rest of it is really just a lot of vegetables, uh, you know, chickpeas as, as legumes, not big on beans, really. Fava beans are huge. Beans. Uh, lentils are huge. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a very, very, very friendly vegetarian as as well. You know, we just realized a couple of months ago, even on our website, all our products. We said, "Oh my God, we're we're one hundred percent vegan." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't yeah. realize it. <laughs> and you know, and that's the thing. You don't have. And that's the greatest part about Italy is you don't even miss it or care. It doesn't matter because it's good. No, if it's good food. That's all that exactly. matters. Exactly. It's not a thing because it's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing because that's what life is. Like it's. <laughs> Now you guys have exactly. some of. Yeah. And, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you guys no, have. I was just gonna say, uh, what, 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 one of the great things here about all these vegetables and stuff, and and the greens, is that you know, and, and I've I've tried to teach my kids this, that down here, you'll never starve. You can always find food that is nourishing and good for you by just walking into the fields and picking. Also, but sometimes by stealing. Yeah, you can steal people's fruit. <laughs> yeah. Now, you guys have some of my favorite is- products of all of Italy. Uh, one, um, the uh, Cacio Cavallo, the Burrata, the, um, and the Primitivo. Oh. Primitivo wine is one of my favorite, favorite wines in all of Italy. What are some other things of that nature that people might not know of? Because those are the more famous ones. Right. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Primitivo... Do, do you know what it's called in the U.S.? No. <laughs> I have no idea. Primitivo, Primitivo is the exact same grape as Zinfandel. Oh, shit. I Weird. No what a marketing difference that makes. <laughs> yes. So, so what happened was, uh, you know, in the, I believe, the 1800s, when the Italians, uh, you know, really started migrating big time to the U.S. and then to California— they, uh, they brought the grape stock, you know, the vine stocks of the Primitivo to California. Then in, uh, I believe, the early 1900s, there was that grape blight, I forget what it's called, mm-hmm. which, wiped out most of the, which wiped out most of the grape stock in southern Italy. So they brought back the, the, the grape stock that they had planted in California, and they brought it back here. 
but you know, the Primitivo is the exact same thing as Zinfandel in the U.S. Okay. At a fraction of the cost. Yeah, no kidding. We should we should mention <laughs> to, to some of your question the 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 olive oil which we also produce, FYI. Yes. But, um, is which people don't know, Puglia is probably I don't know, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong. Is the biggest producer of olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. In all of Italy. Yes. yes. There are 60 million olive trees in Italy. 60 million. So you'll actually see tanker trucks here during the harvest season coming and loading up on the extra virgin olive oil and shipping it off to Tuscany where it's bottled as Tuscan olive oil. There was just an article in the paper today uh, yeah. that, that, finally, that finally was confirmed that most Tuscan olive oil is actually Puglia olive oil, oil that they ship up there. Exactly. So because because Tuscany actually obviously has the name and the marketing behind them, so they can they can do that. But um, the actual olive oil actually comes from Puglia. Yes. And, so, and, so 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 some of the other foods that you were talking about. Uh, first of all, mozzarella is huge down here, right? Fresh. Uh, buf- di you talk. No, no, no. no. Mozzarella di bufala is a Neapolitan thing. Uh, Salerno in those in those areas. Uh, the, you know, and people think it's you know buffalo milk. It's not buffalo no, milk. Exactly. It's water buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> right. We don't have buffalo. We don't have. We don't have. We don't have, we don't have, we don't, we don't have bison here. <laughs> you can't. But, uh, no, but, okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. And. Uh, uh, Mozzarella here is called fior di latte, flower of milk, the flower of the milk. It's so freaking good. By yeah. Uh, oh and then there's stracciatella, oh, yes. which is which oh. is the inside of the burrata, right? Beautiful. Then, then we have uh, we have uh, orecchiette pasta, little ears, right? That's uh, very traditional. Very with uh, broccoli rabe, which we serve right with anchovies on top. Um, what else do we have? Uh, 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 one of the towns not far from us, Martina Franca, was just named, just won the you know the national contest for the best uh, capocolla in all of Italy, right down here. Because Puglia is not big on uh, uh, you know dried meats, too not hot, like uh, too yeah. too warm. Yeah, it's too hot. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, we, and we make something that uh, Americans don't really understand yet, but uh, once they do, I think it'll explode. Uh, vin cotto, which you probably have up there in Le Marche too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a type of molasses, basically. It's, uh, but you know, we we use it as a sub- substitute for uh, balsamic vinegar. We call it, we call it sapa it's, here, but it's the same thing. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. Interesting. Well, we make it from uh, dried figs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mostly. It's so beautiful, too. It's really something um, unique and different, I think. And like you said, people get so stuck on, um, yeah, the balsamic or thinking that the olive oil is from Tuscany. I just love these parts of Italy where we are. Uh, truffles are a very prized um, yeah, yeah. thing. Uh-huh. And, what, what, you know, what, not thing, but um, I say it because we live amongst yeah. them. But what the locals love to laugh about is that most of the truffles sold in Alba are sent from here and that they don't even have yeah. the bushes or the, some of these trees that they're found under in Alba. And so for these old guys, they're toothless and cracking up and they're like, oh, we're making the money. We still send it up there. But just because Alba's got the name, uh, it's all the marketing. Well, this is a really great but, point. But, 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 but- Exactly, same thing. Yeah. But 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 it's also the same thing that you know Alba, uh, the same as Tuscany. They have uh, they have done a much better job of marketing 
their their regions or their areas uh, as a food source than Le Marque has or even as as Puglia has. You know, because, you know, everybody wants Tuscan olive oil. They don't know that it doesn't really come from Tuscany. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants uh, uh, truffles from Alba, even though they don't come from Alba. Uh, You know, uh, Italy was always very proud of the fact that most uh, great French Bordeaux had a base of Italian grapes because in France the grapes can never get sweet enough, can never get enough sugar content to raise the alcohol level. So they would have to add Italian wine to their uh, to, to the Italian grapes, Italian juice to their wine to, to reach a certain alcohol level. But what the French have done is they've always said that they would use Italian wine to cut their wine. Which That's is not really int- true. Interesting. They use Italian wine to to give body to it. Interesting exactly. choice of words, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. They disparage. Yeah. So, guys, so li- listen, the, there was a, I'm sure you guys saw this, about a month or two ago, there's a news program in the States called 60 Minutes. It's an evening, Sunday evening news program. And there's a big scandal about how all a lot of the olive oil you find in the States is not really olive oil. It can be uh, different vegetable oils with chlorophyll added. And at the end, they said, how do you know that your olive oil is really 100% Italian extra virgin olive oil? You buy it from the source. And yeah. here are two guys that are actually making – listen, if you want – instead of going Dina DeLuca or, you know, Pascucci uh, or um, – what's the other one? In, Italy. Italy or something and spending 50 bucks yeah. on fake oil, you guys are producing the real deal that can be – arrive at your door and there's no question about it. Right. And, and you know, uh, people unfortunately uh, – not only in the U.S. but, you know, all over the world – uh, most people have never really tasted real extra virgin olive oil. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have like maybe one in a hundred people that when they taste our olive oil, they're right back. You know, my husband really knows about olive oil and yours is rancid. Oh, no. It, well, they, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they think it's rancid because it leaves this pinch in the back of your throat. Mm-hmm. That pinch in the back of your throat is what tells you that it's real fresh olive oil because those are the anti-inflammatories working in the olive oil, all the polyphenols that should be in the olive oil. So when you buy brands like Bertoli and Carapelli and all these other ones, you're not supposed to mention names. Yes, no, you can't actually. <laughs> oh, legally, you can? okay. Yeah, okay. legally in the U.S. you can if you're also a producer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the news, the news stations can't. That's why they'll never, they'll never name them. But all those oils, they've been so filtered out that there's nothing left in them. Plus the fact that now it's a well, you know, it's 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 in the news all the time. Oh. They add, as you said, all sorts of stuff, including already fried oil. I, I mean, there's no, just it's, it's so horrible. much crap in there. And every time, luckily, every time that one of those news segments comes out, our sales go through the roof. Good. Yeah. They I mean, should. And hopefully, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a very uphill battle for us. We're trying to educate people. And it's just, it's, it's been such an uphill battle because you're battling these huge, big food companies. And you're trying to explain, look, what you're buying is extra virgin is not extra virgin. Trust right. me. Just taste, it's not even olive oil. And just, and just I mean, I, I challenge people to... Te- Taste a Bertoli next to ours. I mean, it's amazing the difference. I had never done this until actually, even though we've been selling the oil for a while now, I'd never done this until about three years ago. And it's amazing when you taste 
theirs next to real extra virgin olive oil. We actually had an olive oil sommelier come in and mm-hmm. show us the difference. And it's just it's it's it, one is lubrication. Yeah, right. I mean, well, for lack of a better term, that's all it is. Well, that's that's it's what I was going to say. It's so interesting yeah. that that olive oils are just like wines. I know for me, I have three yeah. different yeah. finishing oils depending on what I'm serving. One has more of that. Right, it gets you in the back. Another one's more fruity and more um, flower. You know, yes. it's brighter yes. floral. Uh, and- and and, and and you know the the interesting thing about that is the Italians also like to disparage Americans. You know they say, oh, you know Americans they don't know anything about olive oil. Well, actually, what I tell them is, you know what, Americans know a lot more about olive oil, especially like people from New York, California, Chicago, all the biggest cities. They know a lot more about olive oil than you do because most Americans who love to cook and are into good food, will have at least two or three different types of olive oil in their kitchen for different uses. Mm-hmm. You know, one would be for frying, one would be for salads, one would be for finishing. So they'll buy one from Liguria, they will buy one from Le Marche, they'll buy one from Puglia. Whereas here, they all talk a really mean game about, oh, you know, our olive oil is the best in the world. Meanwhile, they go to the store and they'll buy whatever's on sale, the cheapest stuff. So... If if I may, for uh, very quickly, here's the math, right? If you see a bottle of olive oil, uh, let's say a quart of olive oil on your store shelf for six bucks, right? It is absolutely 100% impossible that it is Italian extra virgin olive oil because the math is in Puglia, which is probably one of the cheapest places to buy olive oil wholesale right from the mill, it costs... 350 let's say four bucks for a liter right for a quart so four bucks for a quart wholesale you got to put it in a bottle you got to put a label on it you got to pay for labor you got to ship it to america you got to make a profit the store's got to make a profit so how the hell can it cost six bucks it's impossible uh, that's exactly it can't unless they're Unless they're putting crap in there to fill it out. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's something that um, Jason has talked about or we've mentioned before when we were speaking about the olive oil. But you get what you pay for. And if you want the good stuff, you got to do yeah. a little footwork. And so I'm really glad you mentioned that point as well. Um, go out and get your olive oil. Go to Villa Capelli. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 have, you have to know and trust your producer. Exactly. Exactly. So we've talked about food, we've talked about the house, we've talked about your move. How have you guys, what have you done to assimilate into your community? Where coming from New York, you can, at least I know for us, we lived there for almost 10 years and barely knew our neighbors. I mean, you have your friends and things like that. Maybe you guys were um, had a bigger social network than we did, but... It seemed like within in our building, yeah, I'm kind of more in our building, talking about in your neighborhood. Um, but it seemed like for us, within uh, weeks, months of moving here, we had new friends or people were very curious about us. How was your kind of journey assimilating and spinning off of that? Being a gay couple, how was that for you guys? And how what were your struggles or or how was that perceived? I'm curious. Well, we probably have two different uh, points of view on it. Stevens is probably different than mine because Stephen has no Italian heritage or background, whereas I have not only Italian heritage and background, I was born in Italy, and my family comes from this town, so it was probably a little bit easier for me. So, Stephen, t- why don't you tell your horrifying stories? It's <laughs> <laughs> not horrifying at all. <laughs> I would say the first part of that question, I think we have a, a lot of friends. I mean, 
to me, that part wasn't difficult. I agree with you. It's like a lot of people came by, a lot of family, obviously, mm-hmm. with Paul. Um, our, our town is sort I mean, they call it a small town. I grew up in a smaller town than this town. But uh, Chaliti is about 30,000. No, 25,000. 25, oh, okay, 5,000 difference, but <laughs> 25,000. But I, it was always very receptive. People are very, very open and friendly. Um, for me, it was the language difficulty mm-hmm. always, okay, like to 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 kind of form real bonds. I mean, you get closer friends, and then you and then that helps. <clears throat> and then the gay part of that question, I mean, we've always been out here. Um, Paul's cousin is actually he mentioned this earlier is was the former governor of Puglia for two terms. I'm totally out gay. Um, and, and, and one as governor as a totally out gay candidate. Yes. Oh my and gosh, now I he's had going no through idea. a big controversy. Oh really? Yeah. He's going through a big 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 controversy now online is they just had a surrogate. He and his partner. He and his partner had a surrogate um have a child and it's this big controversy. Because it's illegal in Italy. Yes. So they went to the States to do this and now they're bringing the child back. But but obviously because it's illegal here for them to adopt. So they had to go through this route. So that's the big that's the big debate going on. Like obviously, you know, and the big debate being whether they should have or not. That beside the point, we've never had one issue whatsoever. I mean, we've been uh, people are just they don't care. They, Good, that's I, what I, we I, say. As much as I mean, it's just like it's it's weird. People think the religious part would be part of it, and then kind of I guess in some degree, but really. It's just it, it's not part of their. Um, well, it's, it's let and let let live. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for them, it's just like you're not you're not bothering me. So who, what the heck do I care? Yeah, here's here's the funny thing though about about being gay in Italy. Everyone is very very accepting of it. Quite honestly, uh, you know, uh, they were about to pass the law here now for civil unions, which some some gay people in Italy are upset because it's not a. You know, they don't call it marriage, civil unions. The same that, that went on in the in the U.S. Quite honestly, but, uh, but the funny thing about Italy is that you know uh, people say, well, you know, if you're gay, that's okay. It's okay as long as it's not my son. But Paul tells that story. But I but I'll, I'll put this story out there. He has a cousin. I'm not going to name names, but because he'll never listen to this anyway, it doesn't matter. But anyway, he has a cousin who is actually the head of the local mob. I'll be totally blind. <laughs> he has this son who is gay as the day is long. I mean, it was so obvious to us when we met him. We were like, oh, my gosh, where is this going to go? Because we met him when his son was 16, I believe. Maybe, maybe even younger. Yeah. And it was just obvious. Finally, the son came out. We were, we were kind of like, where is this going to go? What's right. happening now? At this point, his cousin now has, as his Facebook posts, a equality flag anti-homophobia on his flag uh, on his facebook picture he has driven his son to meet other guys that he's that his son has met online is super supportive of him and this is the head of the local mafia yeah i, so I think to i me, think it it's is kind of like it's just like yeah i think it is a misconception we've had a lot of gay gay couples stay with us and there was oh it always comes up and and i think a lot of them are very trepidatious at first to you know, um, 
head south or go be off the beaten path going to bologna or rome or milan they're like okay we can travel freely here but they're they're like we're in the deep country here and then they knew they were going even more off the grid and just kind of thought what will people think and we said just be you you guys are great guys like who i I don't think that's the first thing they're gonna think of either and if you show up as a as a happy nice person the way you are i don't think there's gonna be a lot of questions asked just no yeah like you guys said no one gives a shit like as long as you're no, exactly, they don't. Yeah. That that makes me happy to hear. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, I mean, and we're and we're down in the conservative south. Yeah, so yeah. Us, it's like so. Talk about anywhere else in Italy. I think it's just people. Just they don't care. They but, really don't. It's not and, affecting their lives. So and, 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 and for anyone who's listening, I'm sure within the next couple of weeks, uh, you'll be reading about it in the in the U.S. papers about this really really horrific thing that's happening now to my cousin. You know the former governor and his Canadian uh, partner, because you know they had to go to California, surrogate uh, mother. Uh, they had a child, uh, Tobia Tobias Anthony is his name, uh, which you know was, I'm sure is going to become a famous name in Italy now. It's always going to be known as you know Tobias Tobias, the story of Tobias. Uh, but you know this this big huge argument is going on in the halls of Parliament in Italy. Uh, where the extreme right-wingers who are very attached to the Catholic Church, uh, they're calling him every name in the book. I mean, uh, the cops had to take down a banner recently in one of the towns, uh, I think in Rome or just north of here, where, you know, uh, basically just calling the ex-governor, you know, you're a faggot, you're a pig, you're disgusting, how can you do that? And this whole thing about, you know, Oh sure, that you know you have you have the money so you can buy a child, and and people were saying you know it, it would have been better if you just adopted. First of all, you can't adopt, and second of all, what what I said to people is, you know all you all you hetero couples, all you straight couples who have children, you know why is adoption only for gay people? Why why don't you adopt if you're if you're such a, a do gooder? You know, even though you have your own children, why not adopt one child for every child you have? You know, why is it up just up to gay people to adopt? You know, if, if you want to close the orphanages, adopt a child. You know, yeah. uh, oh no, but I I don't have to adopt because I can have children of my own. Well, that's the point. We can't have children of our own unless we do it with a surrogate mother. Oh, it's just so sad. Well, it's the times are changing. And I think this we're going to hopefully in the yeah, very I near guess, future we'll look back on this and be like, remember when this this you know grap was going on? So I think I think the writing's yeah, on the wall. Yeah, it, because it's been it's it's been twenty five years already in in the states where people have been doing this, and you know someone finally even put on uh, Facebook recently uh, the data that shows that uh, more than twelve thousand Italians have had children using uh, surrogate. But now all of a sudden, because this guy is openly gay and he's a, and he, you know he's a big politician in Italy, it's become this big, huge issue. It's like, come on, get over it, will you please? Well, and get over it because um, the birth rate here is so low anyway. They should be thankful for anyone and <laughs> anyone who's educated with an income who's having children raising them here. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, in the years you guys have been here, I'm curious how Puglia in particular, has changed you. And how has... Hmm. How, how has... Yeah, that's a good one. How has... Pu- yeah, how has Puglia changed you, or Italy changed you, and how have you seen Italy change since you guys have lived here? 
Well, I'll start with mine. My for me, it's still. This learning. is Steven. Steven's yes, from Texas. I'm still no, and I'm still and I'm German. <laughs> so I'm still learning this. I'm still and even after being the 20 years with Paul, I'm still learning this. But it's it's it, what I love about Italy, which is learning to live life to its fullest and accepting and living in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that to me is is what they do so well. <clears throat> and they, you know, it's just a matter of like a business meeting here in the states that would take 10, 10 minutes here it takes an hour. Oh my god, I know. Because it's or, about the, or more, and then plus yes. the cafe and yes. the pleasantries, and you still haven't exactly. even talked business. So you, you have exactly. You have to have a coffee first. You have to talk about the family, and then you, I'm like. Can we just get? I'm like I'm done. I, I need stuff to do, and I'm still learning this. It's still very, very hard for me. That's what I love about it, and I hate about it at the same time. Business wise, I hate it. Hate it, <laughs> but I love that that mentality, and it's like it's like I wish I could embrace it more. I, like I hear you. That's so funny. Our whole um, uh, we spent a good portion of our last podcast talking about this because we're meeting with these. Uh, oh, yeah. These. Uh, owners for the next spot for the agriturismo and it is it's a half a day to see a house because you can't just walk in there and walk the house and and sit down and and talk about business and say thank you and leave it's you have to do the the the, uh, dance We, we so much so that and we've gotten so exhausted and killed so much time that we've started to just cut to the chase certain you know reading out the people but we'll go i apologize and normally it's me who does it and i'll go i apologize we are american we don't mean to offend you <laughs> but we I need do. to speak direct <laughs> and cut through all of this bs can we just get to the point <laughs> that's what i do it's great for me because I, I can be the i can be the brass american because obviously yeah. i can't pass for italian whatsoever so i can be like okay i'm american i don't get this well what's the what's the point get to the point done i'm done with this conversation at this point like, it, it, it's it, yeah it, it's uh, it's all very ritualistic, right? Everything's a ritual. Even even the fact of, you know, you shake someone's hand, but you got to kiss them on both cheeks. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, you always go to their left cheek first and then the right cheek. Otherwise, you're going to end up kissing someone right on the lips. <laughs> I've, I've screwed that right? up quite a few times. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, uh, I mean, I mean f- for me, uh, what's changed me is... Um, the bureaucracy here, you know, I, I, I guess I take care of the more of the local business that we have to do in town. Stephen takes care of like, you know, the website and the sales and all that stuff. But, you know, I have to deal with the local politicians and the local authorities and uh, everything has become much more bureaucratic, especially since now they're part of the European Union. So the European Union makes laws and Italy's got to go along with them and then they make their own laws. Italy is great about making laws you know it's very easy to make a law but then they don't follow up on them until of course exactly until of course they come to your house and they say oh you're gonna get a fine it's like what am i getting a fine for italy has a million laws that no no one follows until that day that they decide to follow yeah exactly 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 Uh, but 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 then you know you can always talk your way out of it so part of it is you be you learn to become an even better schmoozer than maybe you were in New York, except that, you know, the New York schmooziness actually helps me a lot uh, with these people Um, because, you know, sometimes they don't really understand New Yorkers. You know, most people don't understand New Yorkers, I guess, but, but, you know, New Yorkers are great schmoozers. New Yorkers can talk their way out of anything. So, so that's the way you got to be with these people. But some of it does get very frustrating and at times you really, really start to hate 
the Italian mentality. It's not as it's not as open in a lot of ways that the American mentality is. You know, because they just try to get you at every turn. So it's it's up to you to be more on your toes to get them back. Well, and I yeah, and I think that in particular especially compared to something like New York, uh, they're not open to a lot of change or that is very, there's a lot of resistance involved. And that can be the hard part because um, I think one of your phrases is uh, Italian living, American thinking or something. And it's, it can be so true because you think, oh my gosh, we could change one little thing and this could help the tourism or help your business or bring more beauty here. Or like you said, don't put the freaking stucco on the walls. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is... They're actually actually very optimistic about life, right? But they're very pessimistic about changing things. As you said, you know, they're not big on changing things quickly. Everything goes at a very slow pace. Yes. So if you say to someone, hey, I have an idea. Let's try this. The first thing they'll say is, oh, but what if this happens or what if this goes wrong? Everything is negative. Whereas, yeah. you know, in the States, we're used to, hey, that sounds like a great idea. Let's mm-hmm. try it. Yeah. And they'll talk about it for five hours. Right. It's here, still not decided. Here, here it's like, oh, no. But, you know, but then there's, you know, Law 32, Article 436 that says, <laughs> oh, it's like, are you, oh are you fucking kidding me? How do they quote all these laws? It. It's so true. They love to cite the legend. You're like, oh, my God. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, it's, and it's all open to interpretation. We're, we're discovering that with the new wing. Every, every person we talk to, we're, you know, we're trying to get, you know, legally open sort of yeah, final authorization yeah. of all this stuff open they're like oh well you need to do this you talk to the next person no you, no that's not true you need to do this the next person's like I'm like every i know i know law is subjective but come on like <laughs> at this point somebody tell us what the and, what and, we and do. in italy the facts don't matter you need the paperwork yeah. exactly. just have your paperwork in order and everything will be okay yeah so how have you guys seen Italy change in the last, um, well, since you kind of have bought the property and you've been living here so 10, 13 years, how have you seen Puglia either develop or the Italian mentality change? Have you felt that much? Um, like in our area, we've noticed a lot more convenient foods and um, the, American- the Americanization of some of these things or some of the traditional um, things of making homemade liquors and homemade um, oh, sorry. Um, uh, even pasta, the grandmas taught us because their grandchildren really weren't interested. The, ma- the mass exodus oh, well, of the younger generation. generation. Exactly yeah, we, what happened. Yeah, we, we, we've actually gone through that a couple of times where people say to us, oh, I'm really surprised that the, you know, the, the old ladies would give you their recipes. We tell them, you know why they give us our recipes? Because their own children and grandchildren could care less. Exactly. That's, that's how I've learned how to cook. That's yeah. how I've learned to cook. I have all the old ladies come over and teach me. Yeah, like, they, how do I, how do I do this? Oh, I'm like, and they're so happy to teach you. Well, they're very, they're like, very they're proud so of their culture. I think they're very proud of their culture exactly. and they're like, screw it. If my kids don't want to learn, someone's got to keep it going. And if these guys are down exactly. here and are going to yes. live here, whatever. And for us, it's, it's interesting because for us, we love it. For us, it's, it's that going back to the authentic, the authentic food, especially. And, and I agree with you. We have noticed that a little bit. Paul does not allow potato chips in the house or a lot of other Ashley cannot have Ashley cannot have her wine without the patatine. I love my aperitivo with a little patatine. <laughs> oh, no, no. Torali, come on. Yeah, yeah. I'll take Torali. 
or olives. But uh, one of the things that I've seen change is uh, younger kids, especially teenagers, have gotten much bigger, wider asses. Yes. <laughs> no, it, we right? noticed I mean, that. The, the, kids, the kids here are getting huge. And it's all because of your, Ashley, your patatina <laughs> and know, all the other I American know. food that they want. Yeah, they want all these fast because they watch TV, they watch movies, they think that it's, you know, all that Western, you know, American stuff is so cool that that's what they want. Mm-hmm. And it's faster, it's easier. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of sad that uh, it's taking away, you know, that coupled with the fact, again, the European Union uh, keeps making these stupid laws. Do you know that it's illegal in, in the European Union to cook any food, including pizza, in a wood oven? What? It's illegal. Yes, it's that. illegal. Italy, luckily, uh, the Italian parliament told the European, European Union basically to shove it because it's part of our heritage. So, you know, we're not going to comply with that rule. And the European Union, you know, uh, gave them an exemption from it. It's illegal to dry tomatoes, to make sun-dried tomatoes in the open air. It's illegal. That's, yeah, these are the things that are, that are sun-dried. Yeah, these are things. That's great. I had no idea. Well, it's like the Americans yeah, saying yeah, yeah. you can't age cheese on wood. And it's just insane. Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, 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 well it, 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 it's funny that you said that about aged cheese on wood because we just had the FDA come to our villa back in December uh, to do an inspection of our facility and how we make our products and everything else. And, uh, you know, they, they were actually very, very nice, unlike the Italian health authorities. But uh, the FDA guy told us exactly that story that you just mentioned, Ashley, that, um, you know, th- there was this big thing with the FDA that you could not age cheese on wooden boards because it was unsanitary. So luckily what the the Cheese Council, I guess, or the Cheese Association of America, if there is such a thing, the Cheese Heads of Wisconsin, uh, they came up with a device that would uh, sterilize uh, properly and clean the wood boards that they aged cheese on, and the FDA gave them approval. They said, okay, yeah, now you can do it. Never so mind least, that it's you know, been done it, for it, thousands, it, a thousand US, years. Exactly. 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 And no exactly. one has ever died from it. No, you know, it's exactly. like what I can't. And and I think what a lot of that is, it's it's the lobby power of the big companies, so that they can sell what they call sun-dried tomatoes that are actually dried in the oven to on the market, and so that people can't taste what real sun-dried tomatoes taste like and tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And so there's a world of difference. The, the oven dried or cardboard, yes. sun-dried or plump and juicy and amazing, <laughs> but. You know, and I was thinking how Stephen, being from Texas, I have family from Oklahoma, and the difference of the old ladies sharing recipes here versus at least like my aunts willing, not willing to share recipes in Oklahoma. And we, we said, we're moving to Italy. Can't we have the Italian? It was like an Italian wedding cake with some stupid name for it, but it was this great cake. And they're like, oh, kid, no, I, I'm taking that to my deathbed kind of thing. We thought we're not even living in this country. What do you think we're going to do with it? And here, exactly. the idea is, of course, you want my recipe. It is the best. I want you to pass it on. And I just love... I figured you must kind of enjoy that too, that kind of dichotomy of the difference of, of that kind of sharing of the recipes and history and the culture. 
It is yeah. amazing. And that's an amazing part of it. I mean, to me, again, food brings you together and that mm-hmm. sharing of the food and sharing of recipes. It's just, it is, everybody's open. And it's, it's amazing to me to watch too, to, especially it's kind of funny, the jealousy and the difference between all the old ladies in oh town of like, Oh, I don't make the, I don't make the pizza dough that way. I make the pizza my dough mother, this way. My mother, oh. my mother, my mother is not. My mother is now living with us. Right, yeah. she's eighty-one years old. She just moved here from uh, Florida, God's waiting room. <laughs> and uh, she, you cannot satisfy this woman. She is the biggest pain in the ass the world has ever seen. She can stand next to you, show you, and tell you how the the meal or the dish is prepared you can do it exactly the way she says yeah. it and she's standing next to you once she tastes it oh it's not the same mm-hmm. when we when we first so came wanna, when we first came her. here after a few years i wanted to, there's no cookbook for our little area uh, in english and i was like you know it'd be a great idea to take some of the really uber local um, recipes and throw them into a cookbook and give a little um, Give a little prop to whoever, you know, you know, this is Maria's whatever. We couldn't do it because exactly. it started to really – there was kind of like resentment going on. Well, why did you choose her oh. torta? Why didn't you choose mine? Right. I don't exactly. even think that one's that exactly. good. And it was like, oh, my God, we're going to polarize ourselves in this area because we chose the wrong freaking <laughs> recipe, the wrong, you know, <laughs> cake recipe to put in. So true. And it's just one yeah, yeah, person yeah. put a little more nutmeg than the other, and they're like, I don't even exactly. know what that is. Exactly. <laughs> oh, n- nutmeg, nutmeg. I never used nutmeg we don't use nutmeg in my family oh my god and in the south you'd say bless her heart (laughs) right exactly which really means fuck off yeah i know i love it i love that oh man but 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 but, you know uh, the funny thing about you know you said oklahoma but you know when you think about oklahoma texas ohio all these places uh the uh, our you know our mothers grandmothers they actually took great pride in writing down their recipes, and you know that was one of the things that they would finally hand down to their grandchild, their fairy grandchild. Here are all my recipes all written down. In Italy, I don't think anyone's ever written a recipe on a piece of paper in their life. Probably because half of it's dialect. Well, my my favorite thing when I read Italian recipes. Probably restaurants, because they can't read or write. No, my favorite thing when I read Italian recipes is QB, Quanta Bostano. And it's like, what does that mean? Exactly. When it's enough. Oh. When it's enough. And it's enough. It's enough, yeah. How much garlic? Enough. How much salt? When it's enough. You know, QB, enough. QB. I'm like, and what is that? <laughs> enough. What's enough? <laughs> Which is funny because that's, that's actually, though, I mean, it's funny. It's changed my way of cooking, though. I've learned that, like, okay, it is, it is to my taste. So I taste it. Is it enough salt? No, it's not enough salt. Whatever you do. It's like, so it, that's the way everybody should cook to some degree. A recipe can freak some people out and become, like, so stressful. Oh, my gosh. Like, we didn't put, we didn't put two cloves of garlic in. We only put one clove of garlic in. It's like, calm down. Like, is yeah, it, does it taste okay? It'll be fine. It's yeah, more it's of like a free-flowing thing. You, you feel it out as exactly. you go. And, exactly. and in our, Especially if you're drinking wine while you're cooking. Exactly. And in our expat home like yours, there is no pasta police. So it's okay. <laughs> if you, if you, yeah, if you don't have the uh, uh, orecchietti or and you use the penne, oh, my God, it would be a, it would be a crime of vergogna oh. to serve it with the broccoli. But, oh, hey. But, uh, no, 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 but, but it's worse than that. It's, it's much worse than that. You use uh, ridged penne? No, no, you don't use ridged penne. You use smooth penne. <laughs> I know. I love it. 
I, I'll give it to them. It is true. It, it's they've got. I mean, goddamn, they're it right. Because when you make like, uh, for instance, a matriciana, and we use tagliatelle, which you would never ever do. It, but we do. What we do sometimes because screw it, that's what we got today. It doesn't work right, as exactly. well as the bucatini or the spaghetti. It just, five. Yeah, it just doesn't work as well. And they're, they're spaghetti, right. it was spaghetti ristorante. <laughs> well, all this food is making me hungry, and I think it's time to uh, wrap it up for dinner. I'm ready for Jason to start cooking. Yeah, throw out. Why don't you guys throw out all your info so people can find you and, and get down and, and visit beautiful Puglia and uh, see a whole other part of Italy that maybe they haven't gone to before. Well, yeah. uh, Stephen's going to take you through that. But the first thing, uh, the first two people that have to come visit us in Puglia are you two. Yes. We will. We need, we need some wine. Actually, we need, we need to load up on wine. Our, our demijons are all empty. We're, we're ready to fill them up for this season. I think we're coming we down make, in we April. Wine too. Oh, God, you okay. guys do oh, everything. Uh, we yeah. made uh, 3,000 liters of uh, Nero di Troia wine this year. Beautiful. Mm. That's a, a, not a simple undertaking either. No. That's it was a lot fun, of work. Though. This time we actually stomped on the grapes just like Lucy this time. Oh. We, we, we made sure we stomped on the grapes. <laughs> this is like our, I don't know, hundredth time of making the wine. We were like, we're stomping on the grapes like Lucy because everybody always asks us if we're taking a picture of doing this. <laughs> I hope you guys uh, Instagrammed uh, and shared that because that is definitely yes, a photo and video worth it. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, basically, you can find us all at Villa Capelli everywhere. The easiest, go to villacapelli.com, V-I-L-L-A-C-A-P-P-E-L-L-I.com. That's actually the product site. So you'll see eventually, you'll, right away, you'll see that it's mostly the olive oil, sun-dried tomatoes, other products that we sell in the States. But up at the top, you'll see the podcast and links to stay at the villa. If you're interested in seeing pictures more of the villa or if you're interested in the podcast, those are all links there. So that's the easiest way guys, just one website, go there and you'll find us on Facebook. Yeah. Everywhere else on the social stuff. If you guys are interested in Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, we're at Villa Capelli in all those areas and living Villa Capelli for your podcast. Correct. Yes, right. living in yes. Capella, yes. Right. So look for and, and and it's nice to hear that you are more Easterners than you are Californians because when we talk to Californians, they think it's Via Capelli. Oh, they no. Like and Pancho Villa. <laughs> we um, have friends from Texas, and we are heading back down there from Austin. And it's hard for me to even tell the story the right way because I have a hard time saying it wrong now. They they said, okay, go down to Blanco and take a left. And we were like, isn't that Blanco? And, we thought, and they were like, yeah, Blanco. And I was like, what? Why are you Blanco. calling Blanco. It's like my dad. He says, Barry. You're, you're near Barry, right? I'm like, Barry. Well, did you hear yeah. Stephen say wolf earlier? Stephen can't say wolf. He says woof. That, I, so I have problems oh, okay. with some of those. <laughs> well, you guys, it was an absolute <laughs> pleasure talking to you both, and we can't wait to come down and experience your authentic slice of paradise, 100 years in the past, uh, this other world of Italy, the, what we call the wild, yeah, 1,000 years in the past, uh, what we call the Wild West. So we will definitely make it down this wait, spring. Wh- we're waiting for you. We're yes. waiting for you. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you, Thank guys. You guys. It, was, it was a real pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Well, I think that was great. I hope you guys got to learn a little bit about a different part of Italy, something a little more off the beaten path, uh, even more so than La Marque. And maybe you will think about traveling a little bit farther south in the boot on your next trip to Italy. All right. Very good. Um, 
this week, what do we got going on? Um, uh, house hunting, all that stuff. I think this podcast has gone on long enough. Thank you so much for downloading. We really appreciate it. I can't believe you guys actually listen to us uh, talking to these microphones. It's really great. And we will see you next time. I'll take it home for us. You can find us at No Half Measures on Facebook, No Half Measures Life on Instagram, Ashley Bartner on Instagram. You know I love the love. Um, also on Periscope at Ashley Bartner. And you can continue to follow the lovely Latavola Marque, L A T A V O L A M A R C H E dot. And again, we want to thank Paul and Stephen from Villa Capelli for joining us on our podcast from Italy. Have a great day, guys. Ciao. Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentiri Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com. That's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com and find out how to submit your show.